Welcome to The Real Church Podcast. Our mission is for you to know the love of Jesus and live out your God-given purpose. Now, join us and listen in to the latest message from Pastor David John Phillips. It is amazing, absolutely amazing to be back. My family enjoyed a wonderful vacation in West Virginia. Uh, got to see the, the leaves changing, got to stay um, by the Potomac River, and it was just awesome. It was a good, just good family time. Um, if this is your first time, as he said, uh, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, we have two guarantees. Number one, you'll walk away encouraged, and number two, you'll walk away with a deeper understanding of how much God loves you. Amen. Uh, we have a connection, our connect card on the on your chair. You probably sat on it if you didn't move it out of the way. Um, just make sure to fill that out if this is your first time or if you've never filled one out. We have a little black box uh, as you walk out. Fold it, put it in that, or you can join me in next steps immediately after service if you would like to do so. Another big thing. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's an election on Tuesday. Did you did you guys know? It's kind of been a hot topic, uh, if you will, and my, my wife voted on Friday, I voted on Thursday, and I encourage you, uh, vote. It's a big deal. And not only that, I want to tell you how to vote. No, no don't, don't get all up in, all up. but this is, this is how you vote, guys. Um, I want you to turn off your news channel. Because whatever news channel you're watching, it's slanted to whatever way that you prefer. So I want you to turn off your news channel. I want you to go and I want you to research both candidates. I want, to re- I want you to research what they oppose. And I want you to research what they're for. Then I want you to go to scripture. And I want you to look at the principles of what they're for and what they're against. And look at scripture. Look at their policy, what they're for and what they're against. Look at scripture. And then I want you to pray. And I want you to invite the Holy Spirit in. And my prayer is that moving forward with our nation, that what happens, the church will continue to become more free, that the, content, the kingdom will continue to expand, and that we'll be able to expand his kingdom, not only in America, but all throughout the world. And I pray that the election helps that and doesn't hurt it. So that's, that's my encouragement to you. Okay? So let's just, let's pray. Father, we pray, Lord, that your kingdom come, your will be done in America as it is in heaven. And Lord God, that we would put our preferences and our, what we grew up thinking and what we didn't, what we, everything, everything and, and we would invite you in to how we vote um, on Tuesday, if they haven't voted already. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, we did just finish the Asking for a Friend series, as uh, Daniel Mannix said, six messages. If you guys missed any of those messages, you can catch them on YouTube, you can catch them on our podcast, on any podcast thing, wherever podcasts are found, just search Real Church Clearwater, um, which I know we're in Largo now, um, so we'll have to shift that. But... Uh, you can also catch it probably on Facebook as well. We had three new preachers preach during the Asking for a Friend series. Gabe Mullins, Moriah Mullins, and Daniel Mannix. First time preaching here. First time for many of them. Um, and you never could have told, you, know, you never could tell it was their first time. You know, they, they preached it as good or, or if not better than I would have. Uh, because it was Jesus preaching through them. And I'm proud of them and proud to have them on the speaking team, um, which is awesome. 
Okay, so without further ado, as Daniel said, we are getting into a new series titled The Blessed Life. And I guarantee too, if you open your heart to the principles and just in relationship with the God of those principles, then this series will change your life. It will change your marriage. It will change how you approach your kids. It will change everything. It just will. And if you want to hear it probably preached a little bit better, I usually, God specifically led us to this series a month and a half ago, and I knew we were going to be speaking about it. And, um, and there's a guy who, who spoke this series, Dr. Robert Morris. Um, he wrote the book called The Blessed Life. So if you want to hear it preached maybe a little bit better than this, you know, um, or you want to preach where um, this, you know, God originally gave him I mean, it's originally from the Bible, but he gave, he gave this revelation um, clearly, I guess, through Dr. Robert Morris. So if you want to hear that, go look up Dr. Robert Morris at Gateway Church and uh, look at The Blessed Life. It's an amazing book. But without further ado, let's get into it. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1 is where we're going to start. Matthew 7 verse 1. And it says this, Do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So I want to do a little exercise with you guys. Let's do a little short-term memory exercise. You, you guys ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. I want you guys to repeat after me. Do not judge. Good. Or you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. All right. You guys remember that, right? Okay, cool. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we're going to read in verses 37 and 38, we're just going to start with the first little phrase of 37 and then the last little phrase of 38. It says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Sound familiar? Last little phrase, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's amazing. It's the same, same sentences, the same thing. Why? Because it is a parallel passage, right? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, um, it's four separate accounts of the same story. So sometimes they use the same passage. But the interesting in here, thing in here is in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38, there's some verses in between that are a little different from in Matthew, right? And I think a lot of times these verses are taught and preached a little bit out of context, so let's look at these verses. It says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be given back to you or poured in your lap. For with the measure be used, it will be measured back to you. I'm going to make a statement that may or may not shock you. Are you guys ready for this? The word money is not in those verses. What? Every time we, we, we hear that preached, we hear it preached about money. But the word money is not in those verses. Giving is. Give is. Ask me how many times do I preach every Sunday, or how many times do I preach on giving? And, and I preach on giving every Sunday, not giving money. You can't preach the gospel without preaching about giving. 
grace, undeserved favor, a gift that he freely gave for God so loved the world that he gave every single Sunday. You can't preach a message on marriage without preaching about giving, not money. But a marriage won't work unless it's two givers giving selflessly of themselves for the others. Amen? Okay, so giving is all about the heart, and that is the title of the message. It's all about the heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. People might say, when they hear that, well, hold on, they just want my money. This is what they're all about. They just want my money. Yes, God does want your money. Not the church. God wants your money. You know why? Because he wants your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Right? I mean, think about this. If, you, if you've ever put some money into some stocks, what are you going to start doing? You start checking it every day, every week, seeing what's going on, put your time, put your interest. Why? Because where your treasure is, your heart is also. You ever heard about the guy who, who uh, never really watched football but had some good intel, so he decided to bet on the football game? You ever heard about that guy? What did he do when the football game came on? He was there. He was cheering for his team. He was rooting for it. Never, ever, ever watched football. But yet in that moment, he's watching with everything he has. And when they kick us, what do you, a field score? No, a field goal. He had no idea. But he's invested because where your treasure is, there your And God wants all of your heart. It's a hot heart issue. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven in abundance. All the matters of the life. And then he says this, good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. What does that mean? You ever wonder, what, what does that really mean? See, Jesus is talking to people who would have understood this, the farming community of the Old Testament. What they would do is when it was harvest time, the owner of the field, he would hire some hands and they'd take their baskets and they'd go and they were paid by the hour, right? So they'd go and they'd pick their grain, they'd fill it up to about full and they'd take it back to the storehouse and they'd throw the grain in the storehouse and they'd go back and do it. And as long as they were busy, they're good to go. But God instituted a welfare system, which is pretty cool. It was hard work. He, he left the corners of the field. God told him to leave the corners of the field. They couldn't pick the corners. They picked the middle and the sides. But also any grain that was dropped, they had to leave it. And so you had these people, the poor of society, that, that couldn't you know, or didn't have. They would come from miles and miles and miles. They'd bring their baskets and they'd go and pick from the corners or pick the, ground off the, uh, pick the grain off the ground. And then when they'd pick for their family, because this is a matter of life and death for them, right? This is a daily matter of I either starve, my family starves, or they're satisfied. So they would pick a good measure. They wouldn't pick a partial measure. They wouldn't pick a half measure. They'd pick a good measure. But then when they did that, they'd press it down. And then they'd put some more in. And then they'd shake it 
to get all the air pockets out of the grain. Go down a little bit more. And then they put some more in until it was running over. And then right when it's at the part of running over, they know they have the most that they possibly can have for their family, and they carefully take it back home. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, what you give, whether it's judgment, condemnation, forgiveness, what you give, it's going to be given back to you in abundance. You guys see that? Awesome. So you can apply this to many, like, many different areas of your life. It's the principle of scripture, seed, time, and harvest. You sow a seed, there's some time, then a tree pops up in the kind of that seed, and then there's fruit with all kind. I mean, a lot of seed of the same kind, and it comes back to you, right? You can see that there. So I heard a story about a counselor, and this mom with her kids, it was her day to go go get counseling, and, and she didn't have a babysitter for her kids, so she had to bring her kids to the counselor that day, and she called and asked the counselor if she could do that, and the counselor said, of course you can. You know, we'll just put them in the room beside. So she brought her, her kids, and she sat them in the room and made sure that they were good. She sat down, and she's kind of like, a, you know, a mom that's had a rough day or a rough week or rough year, and just took a deep breath and said, my kids yell at me. My my kids yell at me. I I just don't know why. Jimmy, Susie, sit down. Be quiet. I don't know why they yell at me. The counselor quoted Luke 6.38 to her. Give yelling and yelling will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And running over, will it be measured back to you? For with the measure you use, yelling will be measured back to you. Okay, so let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 15. <laughs> all right, Deuteronomy chapter 15. And it's all about the heart. So the question is, how then do we develop a generous heart? Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land of the Lord, of the, yeah, of the land the Lord your God has given you. So who's given it to you? God, the Lord your God. Oh, you know what I didn't do? Hello to everybody online. Yeah. Hey, guys. Would you guys, would you guys get to be a big a hand clap to everybody? Hey, but we're watching live on YouTube and Facebook and... I'm sorry I left you guys out. Welcome as well. Uh, There's a connect link right above you. You can fill that out too if you've never been connected to Real Church. Anyway, if anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites, and any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted selfishness. That's really what it's talking about. Don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Rather, be open-handed, generous, don't be hard, don't be selfish, be generous. Rather be open-handed and freely lend them what they need. So from this passage in Deuteronomy 15, we're going to be talking about four different things that we need to do if we're going to become generous givers in every area of our life. Number one, we got to deal. Bring up number one. There we go. Oh, with a, we got to deal with a, with a selfish heart. 
We have to. <laughs> I'm a rapper preacher. What's up? Deal with a selfish heart. Actually, I do rap. I have written a rap song before. Uh, believe it or not, maybe one day I'll get to do that. No, number one, deal with a selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15.9, be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. So remember, he's telling you not to be selfish, but to be generous. And then he equates selfishness to, uh, to wickedness. Did you catch that? Selfishness is wickedness. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near, so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you, and you will be found guilty of sin. So selfishness equates to wickedness, which leads to sin. Not good. What is he saying, and what is he talking about there? God had instituted an economic system in those days where every seventh year, all debts were canceled. Would you guys like to live in that, that, that kind of an economic system? Every seventh year, all your debts be canceled completely and totally wiped clean, clean slate. So what he's saying is, somebody comes to you and needs something, don't think, wait a second, it's the sixth year, 10th month, there's only two months left. If I lend to them, they won't be able to pay me back in two months, so I better not do it. He says that's selfishness and wickedness, right? He says, don't don't do that. Let me ask you a question. Why, why do you think God created giving? You realize God instituted giving. God invented giving. Why do you, because he, for God so loved the world, he gave, but not only that, he gave this world. He created it for us and gave it to mankind. Why do you think God invented giving? Ask most Christians and they will say, God invented giving to provide for his work throughout the world, right? That sounds good, but it's kind of funny. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. He's not waiting on you to give another check so he can pay the light bill in heaven. Right? The streets are made of gold. He's not waiting on you to give another check so that he can have a gold, another golden brick or golden piece of asphalt because they're low, they're, there's a shortage of golden bricks in heaven. God didn't invent giving for him, for his sake. God invented giving for your sake. Because giving, more than anything else, works selfishness and greed out of our hearts. And he wants our heart. Amen? Amen? Which is why I don't like most preaching on giving. And it was hard for me to tell God I'd do this series. Because often it's preached, give and you'll get. The quote unquote prosperity gospel, give and you'll get. The problem with, well, there's some truth to that, but it's with the right heart. The problem with give and you'll get is it does the opposite of what God wants to do. Given you'll get works selfishness and greed back into your heart. When God wants to work selfishness and greed out of your heart. So preachers preach, given you'll get, given you'll get, given you'll get, given you'll get. And then the people catch a revelation of given I'll get. I want to get, so I'll give. And what do you think God's up there saying? Man, I'm so happy that my people caught a revelation of getting. No. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. It's not give to get. It's I get to give. It's give to give. Amen? Amen. So that's point number one, deal with a selfish heart. Point number two, now we've got to deal with a grieving heart. Deal with a grieving heart. What's he talking about? In Deuteronomy chapter 15, next verse, verse 10. It says, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart, NIV says. Another version says, a grieving heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all, everybody say all, Huh. In all your work and in everything you put your hand to. So what he's saying is you give with the right heart and all you do and all you put your hand to is blessed. The motivation of the heart is very, very vital and very important. It's, an heart, it's a heart issue. You realize selfishness attacks us before we give and then grief attacks us after we give. Right? You ever tried to give something a, a large gift or, and then all of a sudden you get home and something breaks or you find this new bill or something. You're like, Oh, I swear there's a, there's a string between our heart and our wallet. We, we, we go to get it and we go, Oh, it hurts. I had a random thought. You gotta be careful when your pastor's preaching and he has a random thought. All right. So here's my random thought. Joe, um, my wife and I and kids want to go out to eat, but we don't have any cash in our wallet. It's my random thought. Thank you, sir. Joe, did it grieve you at all to give me that? It didn't? You sure? Because 10, 20, 40, 60, 80, that's a hundred bucks. It didn't grieve you at all to give me a hundred dollars cash? No, and you just jumped up and did that. Whoa. No, let's talk about that for a second. There's a reason it didn't grieve him. See, what you don't know, but what he does, this is my $100. I gave him this $100 before service and told him to give it back to me when I asked for it. I told him to take care of it for a little bit. It wasn't his $100. So the reason he did it so fast and gave it to me was because it was mine the whole time. The point is we grieve when we give when we think what we have is ours. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And everything we have is his. And he gave to us to steward or to be caretakers of and to follow him as he speaks to us. Amen? How to deal with a grieving heart. That was point number two. Point number three is we have to develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15 in verse 14, it says, supply them liberally from your flock, so generously, your threshing floor and your wine press, 
Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Reminds me of Ephesians 5.1. We're imitators of God as dearly beloved children. When we see his goodness, we imitate that in every aspect of our life. God wants you to be generous because he is generous and he's in you. You know, you're born selfish, but you're born again generous. Problem is, our life's transformed when we renew our mind and some of our our minds are continually being renewed. And as we're renewed to the reality of who he is in us, we become more generous. What's one of the hardest things we got to teach our children growing up? Share. I know. I got a five-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old. They're back there. And they might be having trouble with sharing right now. (laughs) Neighborhood kid comes over, grabs a toy. That's mine. I was playing with that. They hadn't touched it in weeks. Neighborhood kid said, okay, all right, fine, fine, fine. Grabs another toy. Ah, that's mine. I was playing with that too. I was playing with that too. Right? One of the hardest things, and that's children, but sometimes our Heavenly Father, he's asking us, he's saying, hey, look, it's time to grow up. For God so loved the world, I love the world so much that I gave, and I'm inside of you. It's time for us to begin to grow up. I um, heard this story, and I wanted to share it with you too. It's a powerful story. There's this, um, this little girl named Willow and her mom who were coming home after church. True story. And um, Willow's sitting in the back, and she's got a, a buckle on, you know, and mom's driving and looking at Willow in the back seat. And Willow says, Mom, did you know that in the Bible there's this woman who gave Jesus all that she had? She gave him her last two pennies, gave him everything? And Mama said, yeah, baby, that's a great story. And Willow said, well, Mama, I want to give something to God. And Mama said, okay, well, why don't you pray and ask God what he wants you to give? So Willow put her hands out like this and closed her eyes and got real quiet. And she says, little baby? No, not little baby. Oh, Betty baby. That's who you want. Betty baby. You can have Betty baby. I don't like Betty baby. Once again, right? That's a child learning about having a generous heart and learning to give. But God is telling us, wait a second. I'm generous and I'm in you. So it's time to get to the point where we say, God, what would you have me give? All that I have is yours. And he says it. And you don't question like Adam did in the garden. Because of Satan, did God really say? No. Yes, Lord. Of course. Thank you, Jesus. Number three, develop a generous heart. Number four, develop a grateful heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 15. It says this, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. Now remember, and we talked about this a little bit before a couple weeks ago. 
God gives a command, but he never forces you to follow his command. It's always willful obedience. And we follow him out of obedience because we love him, right? Those who love me obey my commands, but we, we love him because he first loved us. So it's always a, my focus is never on me and what I need to do. It's always on him. And when I reorient my focus to his love, my love grows, my obedience grows, my trust grows. And then I begin to follow him in every little thing that I do. Amen? So there's that. And then he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. When we remember what he's brought us from, we have no problem following him in the day in and day out and being generous with what he says to be generous today. But we have a problem being generous when we forget where he's brought us from. And when we forget that all that we have is ours or is his. When we think all that we have is ours, we have to remember, wait a second, who was I before Jesus? I might've thought I had something, but the Bible says apart from him, I can do nothing. I could do nothing without him. And now I have all that he is inside of me. Now that I have, now I have all of his love, all of his goodness, all of his forgiveness. Now I'm in right standing with him, not based on what I do and don't do, but based on what he did for me. He's radically generous to me. Now I can be thankful that I have a wife. Thank you, Jesus, that I have a family. Thank you, Jesus, that I have a car. Thank you, Jesus, that I have this church or whatever you have. The Bible says be thankful in all things. So Lord, let me reorient my mind to understand how good you are, how good you've been to us, Lord God, and let me be thankful in everything because when I'm being thankful, I'm focusing on you and what you've done. And I never, ever want to cheapen what you did in sending your son out of your radical generosity for that so that I can receive your goodness, your love, and your, your grace and experience your life here and now. Amen. Amen. Develop a grateful heart. Man, that's hard in today's world, it's always, I got to have this, I got to have this, and I'm never satisfied. No, we can be 100% satisfied in him because he is more than enough. And when we're satisfied in him, then we can trust him. And when we trust him, there's no stress, anxiety, but we have all joy and all peace. It's a big deal. Develop a grateful heart. So that's why we're doing this series, The Blessed Life, for the month of November, because God wants you to live a blessed life in every aspect of your life. And he doesn't want you to be ignorant of his principles, but even more than principles, he wants to walk in relationship with you in every area of your life. And this is something that he is calling us forward in. And it's amazing. Thanks for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or would like to get to know us, be sure to check us out on social media by searching Real Church Clearwater or visit us online at www.realchurch.us. If you'd like to play a part in what we're doing, you can do so right where you are. Your prayers are powerful and effective. You can also be a part through giving. Go to realchurch.us and click the Give button. Whether you're praying, giving, or serving with Real Church, you are playing a part in every life being changed. Thank you. Until our next podcast, be blessed. We'll see you next time.